Okay, great. So this uh, today I have um, I'm joined by Sarah Yardley, who is a friend. Um, she's um, American, but living in the Southwest, living in Cornwall. She's leader, uh, one of the part of the leadership team of Tube Station, and she leads Creation Fest, uh, which many of you might well have heard of. Um, so welcome, Sarah. Great to have you with us. Adam, such a joy to be with you on podcast. Last time we were together in person, you actually had a. Uh, a collision with a deer on your way to me. And uh, I think this is a far less dramatic interview than that one. But man, I've, I've never met a friend who has persevered so thoroughly in driving three and a half hours each way to come visit. And also uh, just turning up very casually <laughs> with uh, with all the run-in. So yeah, Adam, thank you so much for your friendship. It's a real joy Lovely. to be on this with you. Great. Well, thank you so much. Obviously, um, this is a conversation around standing in the rubble. Um, so this is all about what is going on in this new shaking that is happening uh, and, and how does the church posture itself as we stand, as, our, as the walls maybe have crumbled around us and we stand in this new landscape, how do we posture ourselves? How do we form ourselves? How, how do we respond um, to this new landscape? And so let's start with how, I mean, how's this last few months of lockdown been for you? I feel like that's the question that uh, at some point we will stop defining our lives by on March 2020, the whole world changed. Although maybe we won't. Maybe that will be our conversation topic for decades yet to come. Right. Uh, I think probably like so many of those who are listening, I've experienced both some beautiful highs and some quite challenging lows. Uh, I remember that very first week I, I yo-yoed between, this is amazing, I'm gonna have all the time in the world, I'm going to finally learn to play the banjo and master a little bit of French. And uh, then I, I had a couple of days where I genuinely wasn't sure I actually wanted to get out of bed. And I think one of the things I've really valued is that so many of the leaders I've loved and respected over the years would say the same, uh, that this wasn't just a straightforward, oh, clearly I know what to do when the shape of the whole world, including our gathered spaces and our reaction to crisis and uh, a national and international emergency unfolds, that we're all a little bit uncertain. Right. Um, and so I've tried to kind of, without demeaning the moment, lean into that uncertainty. And as someone who's been an active studier of God's word for a whole period of time, all that I could manage to open my Bible and read was the Psalms, because the honesty and the cries and the how long, oh Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they felt really pertinent and tangible. Um, but then I, I think probably, and we might talk a little bit more about this as we go, the thing that was most helpful for me was not to say, how do we get back to normal or how do I find some sort of safe space? But what was most helpful for me was just putting in place some rhythms yeah. that meant that I had the ability to not be led by my emotions and not be led by what I saw on Twitter and not be led by even the trap of comparing myself to other leaders who I felt were absolutely acing this time and I, I'm still sure I wanted to get out of bed and yeah. um, just finding some rhythms of renewal and both on an emotional a spiritual and a physical level and um, those rhythms what, what did some of those rhythms look like what you have to talk about through some of the what what is that rhythm how, how did yeah. you find that so a really simple one was I started taking 10,000 steps a day um, and just finding the space, uh, both within quite confined spaces when that was what was required. But also, I, I live in Cornwall, so I, I did, once we've been allowed it, enjoy the beauty of those steps. 
And especially in the early days, as I took those steps, I'd intentionally listen to something that I knew would challenge or speak truth over my soul. And so that became both a physical time of exercise, but also a time where I didn't have to put in a lot of hard work, but I could listen to something that was challenging for me. Um, another rhythm that I found really helpful um, and that I've actually been able to continue really well up until now is um, I started doing these five at five Bible studies and they were just a little Instagram live chat and check-in and the response to them has been phenomenal. But, but actually at the time it was just, I don't have strength for much, but I can take five minutes at 5 p.m. to go live on my Instagram and chat to a few of my friends. Um, and, and those types of things, some of them quite small, have actually been really significant in ways that I never would have dreamed at the time. Yeah. Um, and so I think for each one of us, that's probably looked different. But for me, it's just been, okay, what's the little next right thing that I can do? And stepping into that has been significant. And has your, um, has your relationship with God evolved through that? Mm -hmm. like, have, what are the different aspects of God maybe that you've pushed into more? Yeah. Yeah, one of the things I've realized, and, and I would have known this before, but it's been uh, deep, deeper than ever before, is that my heart is like a garden and that there's all sorts of weeds <laughs> that I've let grow. Um, and I think particularly during this time, I've come face to face with the fact that I can no longer hide under the excuse of, oh, I can blame that on my church family, or I can say that that's an issue because I, I've not worked it out with someone else. But um, God's just shown me deeply within my own heart are still layers of insecurity or doubt or suspicion. And during this time, it's been a really good time for me to say, hey, weed these things out. Yeah. Um, and then kind of a second thing I've realized, and, and again, I would have known this, but it's been deeper, is that I really love to be a learner. Uh, when you're a leader in any sense, which we both are in different senses, you quite easily get put in the place where people come to you and ask, how do I do this? Or how do I live this? But I've really just been delighting in learning and in saying quite honestly and winsomely, I don't actually know, but I'd love to ask and wonder that question with you. Yeah. Um, and particularly for these five at fives that I've been doing, I've been diving into scripture again in the gospel of Mark and, and you and I have had this conversation and I'm just astounded again at who Jesus is and how unexpected his life is. Yeah. Uh, 36 years of walking with God and I'm caught off guard by the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so just really embracing that learning and that winsomeness and the fact that I don't have and know the, all the answers and that I don't need yeah. to has been really helpful. Yeah, I think, I mean, as we did talk about this, Mark, Mark is just one of those, I think, one of those books where you kind of you go into it thinking you know who Jesus is and you know how this plays out and you know the end of the story and then you read it and you're going oh my goodness this is so this is so different like this is and like and he is so different yeah. yeah what do we do with the Jesus who cast demons into 2,000 pigs like what what do we do with that story right yeah so yeah a lot yeah and so obviously I mean this is shaking society this is um this is shaking everybody. I think we're seeing a lot of the things that we've trusted in, um, put a lot of faith in maybe as a society just crumble. And the, and the things that we thought were really important aren't are suddenly less important. And the people that we think thought maybe weren't that important are suddenly really important, like supermarket workers and drivers and um, whatever. So what do you think is going on? Um, what do you think is going on in the kingdom there? Mm -hmm. 
Man, that, that's such a beautiful, it's the question of our whole lives, isn't it? Uh, one of the most recent parables that I did my five at five on is that parable of the mustard seed and the, the small beginnings, the places that are so small that if you're holding a mustard seed in the palm of your hand, you can barely even see it. And out of that seed grow the branches under which even the birds of the air, even the unexpected, even the forgotten have found shade and rest. Um, and I think what's happened for most of us during this time is we've been stripped back. We've been stripped back to the very small things. And if there is pride or lust or anger or gossip in our lives, we've recognized, hey, I, I, these things are either present and need to be dealt with or um, th they're not something we can blame on anybody else. But I think out of this season of the small things, of the stripping back and of the uh, recognizing how significant the little moments are. I think out of that are going to grow the branches of some deep places of significance. And to some extent, I think lockdown has shown us who we already are, but also more of who we are called to become. Right. And for so many of my friends, that there's been that tension in the journey. I see more of who I already am. And then I also see more clearly who it is that God is calling me to become and having great grace for each other in the becoming, um, but also recognizing um, that in different ways, and, and often even without us doing a bunch of work to make it happen, as we open our minds and our hearts and our lives to the Spirit of God, that even from very small things can grow whole new chapters of our lives. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in some ways excited uh, to see in the next year ahead what grows out of those small things within our lives and within our communities. Wow. Yeah. It, and, and so then what does that look like on a, on a societal scale? Like how, how do we as a church reposition and reposture ourselves um, to join in the rebuilding and reimagining of our community and our culture? That's such a great question. And, and I think what's going to happen with that is that just as lockdown has been trying for individuals and we've all had our, our share of whatever our challenging moment is, I think the season of change and growth that we're going to go through in the next six to 12 months is going to be tremendously challenging for many individuals because we're being asked to hold open-handed our own expectations and our own plans. We can't just walk into the template of doing things the way that we've done them for um, the last six, 10, 500 years to the Church of England, we're, we're asked to re-envision and recreate and redevelop what it is that the kingdom of God looks like. And I think that there's two things I've kind of taken away in that. One, I'm more passionate than ever before about the basics of my faith. I'm more passionate than I ever have been before that um, it is through prayer and attentiveness to God that every good thing will be formed, that prayer is the work. I, I, I say that with more integrity than I ever have before. And that the basic building blocks, spending time with God and his word, being led by the spirit, developing relationships with those who challenge and compel me to love Christ more. First of all, I think the basics are going to be more important than they ever have been before. But secondly, and this is where I'm not probably sharp enough in my prophetic edge to tell you exactly how. But secondly, we're going to have to hold open-handed the shape of the future and the shape of what our gathered spaces look like, what our celebrations look like, what our communities look like. I mean, 
two meter distancing might not go away for quite some time. So what does it look like for us as the people of God to still say, um, do not forsake the assembling together to take that scripture very genuinely and honestly, but also to say in order to love my neighbor really well, that might not look like us walking into a building and sitting next door and hugging each other. And man, as someone who misses hugs, (laughs) more than I miss most things, I'm saying to myself, I'm going to have to ask the spirit for the creativity to look for a whole new shape and to do it in a way that honors the guidelines of my country, the movement of my, of the spirit and the people who above all God has called me to love and to love faithfully. Yeah. So good. And I think that, um, that formation that you're talking about, that, um, of the basics, prayer, getting into the word, time with God, connecting with our neighbors and the people around us and just being that incarnation of God in our, in our um, towns and in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods and in our families is, um, is so, um, is so important. Like you say, living with that tension and talk about living with tension. Obviously you, you're living in Cornwall, but you're from West coast um, USA, um, Californian girl. So I, um obviously you know this is a trying time for nations all over the world but none more so it seems than the united states of america who uh decided to not just go through this pandemic and all the challenges of that but um are going through racial tensions um as well at the moment a real shaking of the nation um do you want to talk about that for what's that like being an american watching that happen in your country Yeah, absolutely. I think I mentioned to you already, Adam, this is a topic I'm really passionate about, but also really aware and holds so many volatile moments for so many who are listening. And so I'd just like to to first and foremost say I am a learner in this area, and that's the approach I'm taking. Uh, So there certainly has been a huge eruption of emotion and uh, certainly as we're recording this there, there's been a, a real reaction in riots and fires and I woke up yesterday morning um, to the news that there was a literal fire burning on the street on which I live and um, the effect for families and the effect for families and friends on both sides of this conflict so uh, you know the the questions of my friends who've experienced some form of racial tension, violence, or oppression, and the real heartbreak that they're experiencing entering into that part of their story. But then also the friends of mine who are working in law enforcement and working in politics and are desiring to see truth come forward and are now feeling quite villainized by a story that's being told as though um, the worst example of a cop is every example of a cop. Mm. There's those two tensions being held together. And over the last two years, the question of racial justice and equality has been heavy on my heart. Um, And that journey has been opened up by listening to friends who've experienced those tensions, by reading a tremendous amount of books and still feeling like I've barely scratched the surface of understanding these issues. And also by watching the practical implications, I think one of the most significant things for me as an organizer of a festival is that one of my leadership team, um, he's Jamaican, and he pointed out to me really lovingly that my stage-based diversity was almost non-existent. And the question that he asked, and he asked it with so much love and so much kindness was, If everybody on the stages preaching and teaching the word of God is white, then what does that say to 
any of your audience who are not white about the role of preaching and teaching and the people who are qualified to deliver it? And that question has played over in my head and mind over and over and over again. And the two things I've just committed to as a response in these areas are first and foremost, I, I genuinely commit to pray more. And I don't just say that as some sort of cop-out uh, Christian kid answer, but I commit to, uh, to quote 24-7 prayer, to knock on the doors of heaven with bruised knuckles and to say to the God that I love and who I know loves and desires justice far more than I do, show me how to act, how to love, how to commit to prayer in a world that is broken. Mm. Um, and secondly, I'm just really committed to saying the gospel speaks a different way. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the way of forgiveness, the way of seeing the forgotten, the way of elevating the oppressed. And so there is a call in our hearts and lives to say, in places of injustice, the gospel speaks to us a different way. How am I, as a follower of Jesus, choosing the costly route of reconciliation in a world that has been deeply broken? And those are the only two things I know to say with clarity at this point, but I'll say them loudly and clearly. It is. It's a... It's a it's such a difficult thing and I imagine when it's you know it's a difficult thing to watch um anyway I imagine when it's your when it's your country it's a difficult thing to watch and we're not immune to this in in the UK either um and I think that's increasingly increasingly evident I think there's there's challenges for me in there on one level it's um it's not difficult for me I am I'm already conditioned to a gospel for the marginalized and for the oppressed and standing for those who are silenced. And so um, seeing the marginalization, seeing the disempowerment, seeing that and wanting to do something about that is, I think that's, that's inherent in me, but, um, and, and how we do that, how we bring that reconciliation, how we posture ourselves is a really important question. Um, and it's not just about going, Oh, well, you know, there's, good people on both sides as one leader um unhelpfully said um it's it's about recognizing where that oppression happens and condemning that but on a personal level that thing you were saying about well who's on the stage um i was in a conversation about three weeks ago um with a, with a couple of people and we were talking about the difference which i found really challenging is the difference between racial diversity in our churches and cultural diversity in our churches and racial diversity mm. means that well we have these people from all these different nations in our church well that's great but cultural diversity means all those voices are expressed um all those cultures are expressed in their different ways and actually and our church doesn't just look like our culture that welcomes different cultures in um, or different races into that, but actually how do we change that whole um, space? So we're not just racially diverse, but we're culturally diverse. And those are very different things. And that's been, that's been something that um, has stuck with me over the last two or three weeks. And, and we're a ways away from, I'm ways away from figuring out what, what that looks like. And, and so same as you, again, I guess I'm, there's a learning posture here. Um, but I think that whatever, God is up to whatever shaking is going on, um, whatever new move of God is coming through. Um, you know, I think so often our sense of revival is, oh, come on, God, come and do what we we already know. We're already saved. We're already, we, and, but we just know that we're just a few people. And we'd love this to be the majority. We'd love this to be everybody. We'd love you to do what you do. 
and but actually whatever god is doing is going to change us it's going to be uncomfortable for us it's going to challenge our comfort zones and our privileges and our um our entitlements even and our and i and i think how do we posture ourselves and prepare our hearts for that that god is going to express himself so differently Absolutely. And that's where I love the theme of your podcast being rebuilding from the rubble, because at the same time as we would acknowledge there's radical brokenness and there's huge spaces for us to walk forward and the world as it is, is not as our God has intended it. So let's be clear and bold in calling that out. Equally, I think that sometimes we're clear and bold in calling that out and then the rhetoric stops there. And the gospel takes us to a next step. The gospel says, where there was a cost involved in this renewal, our God has carried the weight of the cross for our sakes. And in doing that, as it says in Colossians 2, he disarmed all of the rulers and authorities. And so the way of Jesus isn't just the way of saying, hey, let's say that this is wrong and let's call it wrong and let's point our finger at it. But it's to say, how do we look for the redemptive and reconciliatory and completely restoring work of Christ? And I've just been loving the idea that you know the, the picture of the gospel is that we start in Eden and we end in this city. And so many Christians live as though we're going to be from Genesis 3 to Revelation 21, that it starts at the fall and it ends with the judgment. And as the people of God, we start with this beautiful, good creation, a place of absolute perfection where there is one blood and one race and one tribe and one ton and the intimacy of God literally breathing into our lungs to give us life. But it also doesn't then end at the judgment. It ends at this place where the spirit and the bride are saying, come and let all who are thirsty come and drink. And so this is the story that we're invited to as the people of God. Not one that starts in brokenness and ends in judgment, but one that starts with life and ends with a more eternal and rich life than we ever could have imagined. And that's the proclaiming call, whether it's to the lockdown audience or racial injustice or anything in between and that he rebuilds from even the rebel places. And so and positioning ourselves on that trajectory towards is a, is a, is a key mindset, I guess, is a key perspective for us as a church. Is this trajectory that we're on moving towards that yeah. reconciliation of all things, restoration of all things in like beautiful space of wholeness and completeness and diversity and beauty. Um, and then pressing into how do I say that to my neighbor? So that's a beautiful big idea, and it's great when I say it to my friend Adam Dyer on a podcast. But yeah. how do I break that down in a yeah. way that feels accessible and true? Um, as Blaise Pascal said, make the truth pleasing, make good men and women wish it were true, mm -hmm. and then show that it is. And I think the beauty of the gospel message isn't just how am I transformed by this nice idea, but how do I live out this nice idea within my community? Beautiful. Thank you so much, Sarah. And just just to close then, is there a verse of scripture that's resonating with you at this time? Um, is there a, yeah, something God is saying, a particular verse that just is in, sitting in your soul? Yeah, I've, I've leaned, like I mentioned to you earlier, to the Psalms. And so just the one that comes most to mind right now is uh, Psalm chapter 13, verses five and six. Um, and before this, the psalmist is asking, how long, O oh Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face? But then the response that he says to his own soul and that I've been saying to my own is this, but I have chosen to trust in your steadfast love. 
my heart chooses to rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And just even in the places where we don't feel it, saying, I choose to trust in the steadfast love of God. I choose to rejoice in the knowledge that um, he's brought life and salvation. Even where I don't necessarily feel it, I still choose to trust in that way. Um, and I've had to remind myself of that over and over again. But yeah. choosing that faithful trust has been a significant role for me. Wow. It's beautiful. Thank you so much, Sarah. Wisdom, as always, just exuding from you. So thank you so much for that. And thanks for taking the time. Joy as ever. All right.